0: This
1: is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Vanguard
0: and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. Back at it again. They'll never shut us down and they keep trying, but we won't let it happen. We will not. Um. And yeah, little little Thursday
1: night. Uh. Re- recap here. You've got some stuff on tomorrow morning. We we're gonna get the we're gonna get the recording out to the people. So we're sitting here just f- basically straight after that Eels and Roosters
0: game, which I thought was a pretty good game. Yeah, Campo and Bungard after dark. You yeah. know how they used to be with. Uh, remember when we used to all watch like broadcast TV? and We didn't stream everything. Yes, and you could swear on television, but mm. only after the watershed or whatever. Yeah, and after that, it was anything goes. Mm. This is the podcast equivalent, man.
1: When do we make the final transition to one of those weird late night game shows where the puzzles are extremely obvious, but no one ever gets through on the phone line? When why? You call?
0: Why are you telling them where the Patreon money's going? Oh, okay. Well, like, we'll, we'll fix that. We'll fix that in post. <laughs>
1: it is going to recruit hot dogs.
0: One day, one day, we'll get him. One I believe that's getting... the second
1: hot dog mentioned so far this season, which is good from us.
0: Honestly, that's below the standards we've come to we've set in our <laughs> personal lives. So I don't yeah. know why we don't why we don't push for more.
1: I agree. But the, I'll tell you, it was at a high stand tonight, and that was the Sydney Roosters. They cut the cut the Paramount to shreds. Um, some brave defending for Paramount. I thought they had to deal with a lot. But, I mean, the Roosters scored some very nice tries. They had a lot of line breaks. They were by far the better team. But it's weird because I thought they were by far the better team. But I also still quite enjoyed the game.
0: Yeah, I thought it was a really high quality, maybe first, I thought the first half was definitely high quality. And Mm. a lot of people have sort of commented on uh, the closeness of the competition through these first four or five weeks and the people, and I think a few people have said the footy has been better than ever. I don't think the footy has been actually that great. It's just been really close. You know what I mean? And I'll always prefer a closely contested game. That's a bit scrappy here and there to a beautifully played game that's not close and compelling, but this first half of, of of this game was the first time I really felt like, okay, this is two quality teams playing quality football. You know, the Roosters were creating a lot of chances, a lot of chances all over the field. I thought for the first time, their whole spine seemed to click together really, really well. Part of that was James Tedesco playing a lot of first receiver, which is something he does a lot. Like normally he's just that, work, that workhorse ball carry through the middle, but he was doing a lot more ball playing out of first receiver. I think it was in... Um, what what got them down the eels end for their for the first disallowed try was Teddy giving a really nice ball to um, Lindsay Collins right near the line. Collins punched it up and sort of you know got them rolling on the set. And I thought Kiry and Walker were combining really really well. And it was really just really great scramble from from Parramatta that was slowing them down. You know their systems, their defensive systems were probably breaking down a little bit, mm. but individual efforts were yeah. making the difference. Like that Mitch Moses tackle on on um Daniel Tupai is probably the best example, the one that's at the forefront of everyone's minds. But there were a lot of a lot of efforts like Dylan
1: Brown's on the other side as well. Yeah, that's a um, really nice one too. Yeah, I thought Collins you just mentioned there was really, really great in that first half. He 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 was that they see they seem to rotate forward leaders weekly. And this week it was his turn to just put his hand up and sort of carry the load. Hargraves again very, very good. But um I guess the main the main talking point from the first half was the uh, early departure of James Tedesco, who will now, if the 11 day stand down thing is is brought in for this concussion, we'll miss next week's game against the storm as well. Nick, I, I don't know if I need to go on back and watch it again, or if I'm just being a bit reactive because we just saw it, but I, I think that was a send off personally.
0: Um, It's, I think it's difficult with, with these ones because Simonson did get him in the head, but I didn't think there was a great deal of force applied you know and i think we have to be careful of putting in just a blanket ban on all shots of head. i do think it has to be a bit if if you're going to send someone off i do think it has to be about the amount of force that's applied because Mm. i know a lot of our listeners probably don't watch a lot of rugby union but over over there they've brought in a very strict system where if you go anywhere near the head with any force at all you're straight off yeah i think they've actually taken it a step too far you know and they're trying to they're trying to make the game safer, which is admirable, but you need to accept that sometimes things are just going to go wrong. And if something goes wrong and there's not a lot of force applied, I don't think someone should sit down for the entire rest of the game for it. I understand the, the complaint that the Roosters would have where they say, well, we've lost Tedesco for the entire game. They should mm. lose like, but Simonson comes back after 10 minutes, but that's sort of a complaint that's just been a part mm. of rugby league for 115 years. And I don't think there's a neat solution. To that problem without taking away something that's really fundamental to the game, which is that that um, that aspect of collision. So I, so my my main issue with it, I agree with you on the force, but to me,
1: it's not like the one where Tedesco was rubbed out of that finals game last year, where at least Tom Burgess was trying to make a tackle. In this case, Simonson gets him with the point of his shoulder. He's not wrapping his arms at all. I mean, what is he trying to do, if not? do a shoulder charge and in this case he catches the opponent in the head and rubs him out for the rest of the game and for next week as well i'm just sort of wondering like I, I get the argument behind force but to me intent is just as important and whether or not he intended to hit him in the head i'm not sure but he definitely didn't intend to make a proper rugby league tackle
0: yeah look intent's always a really gray area for me you know yeah, like that's you, true you, you, you just you just in your own phrasing just there you said he didn't intend to make a high tackle, but you weren't sure what he was intending to do. That's right. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just, it, it just, to me, it just starts a really, Mm. a really slippery slope. You know, maybe, maybe there's something, maybe there's something in the idea of if a player fails an HIA based on an act of foul play, then the player who committed that, that act of foul play should be sat down or something like that. I don't know.
1: I, I would love that purely for the chaos of if the roles were reversed and this was a big game and the eels basically encouraged the doctor to rule Bailey Simonson out to go yeah. <laughs> out of the game.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 I don't know. I understand it is a, mm. it is a difficult one. I do think with a lot of these, with a lot of these HIAs and all that, I don't think there's a clean and fair solution. Yeah. I think, I think there might just be a part of us that has to accept that if we're going to make this game as safe, for all these players as we can then there is going to be an element of unfairness yeah. sometimes and sometimes A, A, that'll be on the perpetrator and sometimes that'll be A, on the per- perpetrated perpetratee the victim the victim yes
1: yeah um your tax dollars pay him to write stories not late at um, night <laughs> maybe <laughs> um but um yeah i do agree with that and then of course you've got the aspect of like whether or not someone is ruled out by a HIA or whether they just hit in the head and they come back into the game and that hinges on whether a guy misses the rest of the game. And you're right. It is just a gray area. And I don't really think that there is a fair and equitable solution. I dare say Bay Simonson will be sitting out for a couple of weeks. And yeah, um, definitely. um I would imagine that James Descartes will not be playing next week, but let's move on to the rest of this game.
0: Oh, um, sorry. I thought you, thought you were going to move on to the next, to the next game. Oh, no, 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 no. I still have, still have oh, takes, man. Still have yeah. Takes yeah. Germ- germinating within, it um in my the, mind bowl.
1: They I, I thought, especially in those opening exchanges, I know it's obvious, but Parramatta really missed Junior Ballo. They were getting put on the back foot a lot in those opening sets, which allowed Parramatta, uh, which allowed the Roosters to spread the ball quite early on. And often they they gouge them down that left side for I think three line breaks in the first 10, 15 or so minutes. And then of course that try right on half time is straight through the middle. A bit of Brandon Smith brilliance. Um, huge loss. Not having him, Warrim McGregor did his best, but I mean, this was the worry with Parramatta, right? Was that just they're so reliant on those key guys that I think
0: I think you're selling Warrim McGregor a little bit short. I thought he, well, did he better okay. I thought he did better than all right. I thought he was the one that was taking it to them mm. physically more so than than Campbell Gillard was. That's like Jermaine Hopkins. I wouldn't say that's really his his job. He's not really that physical. Saying you want a
1: Greg Ballo rotation <laughs> when, when the well, big no, man's look- back.
0: Yeah, there's a bit more footy for Wiramu Grigg. I don't, I don't think that it's would a great be a bad name. thing. It's a great, great rugby league name, and he looks like he looks like Brandon Smith's older brother. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like he, he the Billy like, Riggins of the Brandon yeah, Smith players. Yes, player. yes, that's a oh, that's a great one. That's a great one, man. Wiramu Griggins, like, but you know, he, he's someone who I think he's been at the club for two years now. The first time I heard of him. Is when he played in an all star game um, for the maori All Stars in 2021 and they had a spate of injuries, and he was at Townsville because he was used to, he's at he the Cowboys at the time. He was at Townsville Casino having a beer and a bet, and they called him up and they said, Mate, you're in, you're in tomorrow night, get home and rest up. <laughs> is there yeah, anything better?
1: There's nothing better in sports than dudes who are out on the piss and get the call up to play.
0: Oh, dude, I will, it's, it's I, I've will. i got best. like, I will never get sick of stories like that. And he did all right. Like he's like, you guys saw tonight, he's a big unit and mm. he can throw his weight around a little bit and he ended up at Parramatta mid season. And I think the reason he hasn't played more first grade is I think there were concerns over his fitness and a little bit about his defensive mobility, but he's a big dude and he can run hard and he can hit as well. So I, w- I would really like to see him enter that prop rotation for them just as like a, just as a headbanger off the bench, just come mm. on throw yourself around for 10 or 15 minutes, like just break some stuff and then let Paulo and Campbell Gillard come back on. You know, I, I, I'm glad that you mentioned um, that first Luke Kirie try, because I think that's a vision of what the Roosters could be with a little bit more time, seeing those three link up up the center. I hated field, it. That's the I first was, time I was like, uh-oh. I was spooked, man. I <laughs> this was scared. Is the, I this was is like, a they're, problem. They're getting there, man. Didn't like it.
1: Did no, not like I, that one bit. Sick try though. Like, I mean, they, they scored some gorgeous tries in this. game. Oh,
0: they really did. Did you like Jackson Paulo having an? Nice I don't. So, <laughs> oh, oh,
1: So okay. When when a player goes to the West Tigers from a good team and they turn into a pumpkin, you kind of understand it, but this makes no sense. He's just playing the same position at an equally like high level club, and he's great. I know, I, I I did see like we were talking about it during the game, like on the Discord, like one of our guys, Benny, said, Yeah, he's still getting folded a bit in his yardage runs, and that is true, but he's he's catching most things that come near him. He's throwing sick flick passes. He's just doing everything short of moonwalking on him.
0: If you are throwing sick flick passes, I could give a shit if you're getting true. on your yardage. Runs. I don't care, man. Yeah. <laughs> like... And then Daniel oh, Tupo tried oh, wow. to throw one and and messed it up. That was the best part. <laughs> oh, dude, it's like they got they got Tedesco, they got Sualee, they got Tupo. They're not hard up for yardage, guys. Man, just don't make mistakes. Run the ball all right and throw, throw flick, flick pass. passes, and you'll be sweet. Yeah, uh, to, pretty uh, I, outrageous. I, I, I think I mentioned this when we were talking about the Roosters Rabbitohs game a couple of couple of weeks ago. But I am really happy for Jackson Paulo because yeah. he did have a really tough time at South towards the I don't end really end. have any feelings towards oh, it no, it's just, no, it's no, just, just a
1: weird don't. occurrence but I I do have to update my how did they let him go rankings to now it's <laughs> number 1 Paulo number 2 Dane Gagai. number yeah, 3 Adam Reynolds well, yep. he's
0: he's it's clear how much confidence he's playing with at the moment and yeah. that flick pass on was only was only part of it there was a there was a t- there's a kick return maybe 10 minutes later yeah, he, like threw a, a very very sharp little offload to and there was a Esco who then found Super who got the ball over the I think over the there was the a, like, a crossfield really kick move. to his
1: side late in the first half where he jumped above everyone and took it above his head like an AFL mark and threw it down to someone. They didn't end up scoring off it, but he did his part. Yeah, brilliantly. So yeah, good but on it. Just
0: him. given given how much of a tough time he had and like some of the criticism of him after that South Penrith game last year was definitely beyond the pale and, and oh absolutely and, and games yeah. like that. And reactions like Define careers. Yeah. yeah, they can, man. They can end first grade careers. But... Steve Maven. Like... Yeah, exactly, man. Paul Carriage. Like, yeah. These are names that are synonymous with like, one bad game. Yeah, but, you know, Paulo has managed to sort of to find his find his good footy again. And I thought it was interesting. I think they mentioned on commentary that the Roosters have had an eye on him ever since he was up as a junior on the Gold Coast. So it's yeah, not right. just someone that they plucked out of South just because they needed a body. I think he's someone they've been looking at for, for a minute, but... Yeah, man, they play, played some gorgeous footy. The Roosters. That's um, and then tuvo got on the got in on the action too with that really strong um kick return got, and a great pass to a couple of, a couple
1: of business decisions from Moses and Gutho on that one. But, Maybe uh, just a couple. Maybe just yeah, a couple. Yeah. If right, only they yeah. had if only
0: they had more X factor.
1: Um, yeah, Rooster's really good. They'll be up against it with no Teddy next week against the storm, but you know, they were great. Paramatta, how worried are you now? One and four. But again, a lot of this is schedule.
0: That's the crazy thing. Like it's 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 easy for me to say because I don't bleed. I haven't come away no. from a single Eels game and thought, oh, they played like shit. No, no, I'm I'm not worried about them at all. Even though mm. objectively at one and four, I probably should be. Mm. You know, but like I don't know, I I still feel like all the ingredients. Are there everything they need is is still in there um I think the the Hodgson stuff is getting pretty concerning um I think they need to start looking at splitting his and hands' minutes in a different way I don't think Hodgson playing the big block and then hands coming on quite works I wouldn't mind seeing them try maybe first twenty five Hodgson middle twenty five hands and then either Hodgson comes back on or you know you ride the hot mm. hands. Uh, hey, hey,
1: do you actually yes. believe that's what they should do with their rotation? Or did you just say that so you could shoot that pun that? No, no, no,
0: no, I actually do. I actually do. If hands is, I'd respect it, it either way. If hands is killing it, then bring yeah. Hodgson on and have them both out there, have one sort of acting more as like a first receiver so it mm. opens up the field for you a little bit more. Or if hands isn't quite feeling it, then bring him off and bring Hodgson back on. But I do think that's a balance that they really need to start getting right because Hodgson, you know, had a couple of all right attacking touches, but the was caught out of position for the Brandon Smith try, I don't mm. know for the Luke Keery try rather. And, you know, and when teams attack through the middle with their speed like that, you just can't have any, any, any gaps, in any chinks in the armor. you know? So I'm still pretty confident that Parra is going to work stuff out, man. I'm not, yeah. like, I understand if their fans would be panicking because one and four is scary, but it like, is. I'm, you don't I, st- I still think they've got all the things they need. Try! Try! This is a try! Brilliant! Brilliant play! I think it's a try! Oh, I don't know if this is gonna be a try!
1: Gee, what about this bloke? All right. If you are a new listener to the show, this is our weekly segment called What About This Bloke, where we talk about a guy who used to play in the NRL. He might be well known to you, or you
0: might have never heard of him, or you might have forgotten him until Campo says his name in a few seconds time. So sitting around and naming old footy players is the finest thing a person can do. It's literally my favorite thing to do in the entire world, which is why it hurt me this week when there was a bit of of controversy around, around what about this guy, you know, a little, a little bit of drama, you know, I, I select the person for this. Like I select the Patreon patron who will then select the guy for this week. That is one of my very, very few administrative jobs on this show. The way I did it is I get a list of all the people who are on the right Patreon tier, they all have a number. I have a random number generator, it spits out the number and then I inform the person and then they tell me who they want to pick this week. Like long time patron, like, you know, treasured friend of the show. My ding dong is hard and I am sad. He, he was chosen. It was his time. So I messaged him on Patreon on Tuesday. I think it was all of Tuesday. No reply. Ed, all of wednesday no reply it's all, all right. of thursday no reply maybe it's, it's all right maybe if he hears this he can have next week's so that's, that's right so my job is hard and i am sad if you are out there and you're still listening you're still you're still you got on it, the clock you, you got it next you got it next week baby but you know please please check your patreon but, but thankfully camber we had someone take the initiative It's someone a, a, a brave one brave soul had the gumption to message us and say just in case can you pick this guy so michael michael d Michael D selected your friend and mine, Palmer Wapow.
1: Now, if you have not heard of Palmer Wapow, don't feel too bad. He played less than 10 first grade games. If you're a Queenslander, you probably heard of him. He was a Redcliffe legend for quite a while. Uh, just a few games for the Broncos in 2009. Cabo, I love
0: any uh, Wikipedia entry that says he played 5.8th, second row or prop. I, so I already knew a lot about Palmer Wapow, but I called that up just to have it in front of me while we record. And I won't lie to you, five eight second row and prop—that is what, what stood Palmer, out. Palmer
1: Wapow crawled so John Asiata could run.
0: So the Palmer Wapow story begins in 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 our nation's far north, right? So Palmer Wapow went to school at a place called Abegari. He went to Abegari College out there, which is a really, a really important school up there. A lot of um, a lot of Indigenous kids. And TSI kids and kids from Papua New Guinea all go there. I had a mate that used, to, that used to work there. And, you know, so they do a lot of work in the indigenous community. And there was a player there in the late 1990s named Matt Bowen. The same Matt Bowen. Ever heard no of him? Loved. I know. He's gone on and done things. So Matt Bowen was sort of playing a bit of fullback and a bit of halfback for this schoolboy footy team for Abergary College. And his halves partner was a bloke named Palmer Wapau. And, then, you know, there's a lot of schoolboy footy guns that stuff just doesn't work out for, you know, Palmer Wapow was one of those guys, but things did work out for Matt Bowen and Matt Bowen became the first homegrown North Queensland cowboy superstar. Mm. And whenever somebody asked Matt Bowen, who was the best player you ever played with? He would always say the best player I ever played with is Palmer Wapow. Didn't matter when Jonathan Thurston came up and was winning Dally M's. It didn't matter when the Cowboys were making grand finals with great footy teams. Matt Bowen's answer was always big Palmer Wapow. That's my guy. So Palmer Wapow didn't make it f- to first grade the first the first time around, sort of settled in as one of those Queensland Cup legends. And then at the age of 26, I remember when he debuted, I would have bet that he was 36 the way people were talking about him. I think he was, I can't even remember who he's playing for in the Queensland Cup. It was probably Redcliffe, but in 2009, the Broncos came calling and Palmer Wapow stood up and played Five NRL first grade games. Do and you what remember, are five games? Do you remember any of them?
1: No. Uh, no. I'm, pull-
0: I'm pulling up the game list now. Um,
1: They won two of them. So they, uh, I, 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 an incredible debut, 40-8 to eight win over Parramatta. Uh, and later on, a, 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 what can I, I can only assume was a intense performance off the bench in a win over the Gold
0: Coast. Well, there's no love lost between the, the coast and... Of course not the Bronx in those early days, I remember there was one game that he played, I think it was against Newey would have been quite early in the whole thing, but somebody, somebody got injured. Somebody was in the halves and went down. And so Palmer Wapow, who by that point had sort of evolved into a back rower who could maybe play in the halves in an absolute pinch. Mm. He was mate. he was, he was called into duty and yeah, they might've lost that game. In fact, I got Mm. it in front of me. Now they did lose that game. They lost at 28, 12, but if you're playing Palmer Wapow, a large boy, a, Big unit, a 182 centimetre, 108 kilo lump of North Queensland gold. If you're playing him in the halves, then you're already a winner in my book.
1: Absolutely. Um, and I reached out to an anonymous physiotherapist to try and confirm if Pama Wapau is still, in fact, a um, some sort has some sort of job at Redcliffe Leagues Club, but he could not confirm or deny.
0: You know, so... I think after that brief stint in first grade, Palmer Wapow went back to being a Q cup legend. I think he spent most of that time with Redcliffe. I am, I say, I say that we be brave here. And we just assume that he's still working at Redcliffe Leagues Club. I say we, we manifest that. Yep. That's fine until with it me. becomes true.
1: Yep. All right. And someone named a greyhound after him as well. So that's Did it win? cool. I don't know.
0: What do you mean you Probably. don't know? How do you only know if there's a greyhound? How do you not because know? Because it's
1: one? in the because when I searched his name earlier, there's like a page for a greyhound called Palma Wapau.
0: It's like when um, um when they named they had a horse. The Tigers boys had a horse that they named after. Oh, I'm I'm
1: pulling Barry it up. McCormick. The Greyhound Recorder. It it ran a lot of races. It won at least one here. It ran it, it, it won on debut.
0: Yep. And then it, and start. then it
1: won two more times in about oh, there we go. And then two more times in its next forty five. So made made a princely sum of two thousand six hundred and ninety-five dollars in its well career. that's
0: more money than I've made racing. So there you go.
1: Yeah, I'd like to think if you raced 46 times though, you'd you'd make more. That's like fifty dollars. That's like 60 bucks a game of race. <laughs> Fuck, I don't know. There's a, there's
0: games, a man. I think the the defining feature of Palmer Wapow's uh guyhood isn't just the fact that he was a big unit that could play in the halves. I also have a real soft spot for gun schoolboy footballers who only play a little bit of first grade or who don't play first grade at all. Mm. So I wanted to, I wanted to ask you this one, right? Who is the best, who is the best schoolboy or junior footballer that you've ever seen that just never kicked on? He might've played first grade. He might not have, but Jared,
1: Jared Samet,
0: Jared's. Oh dude, that's a great one. Remember when he first came into first grade and he had like the peroxide. Yeah. He
1: was just, I guess he was just a bit too small. Right. In the end.
0: Well, I think it was, I think, I think size didn't help because he was just at that time when most fullbacks were either getting huge or it was super athletic, but mm. I think it also didn't help that he was just a bit, he yeah. was a bit crazy, man. Like he'd try anything. Yeah, I remember, he, anything.
1: I remember watching the Arrival Live Cup. He was playing for Patrician Brothers and they, they, were, they, he balled out a couple of times. Vossi commentating. That's simpler times.
0: Better times. The, was arrival, the arrival Live Cup. Oh man, I got a thousand of them. Just cause one because we got
1: to, we got to move on.
0: I know, but I love I love schoolboy footy and I love junior footy as well. I think the the best junior footballer I've ever seen um, this is a guy. He never played first grade. His name's Will Kerr. He's a Camden dude. There were people like he was the best junior footballer to come out of Camden. He was a better footballer as a junior than James Tedesco. But life even is better sport.
1: than Matt Grote.
0: Well, Matt Grote's not from Camden, bro. Oh, I thought you, you always tell that Tedesco story
1: with Matt. No, Grote. that was
0: in that was in the team. At oh, some okay. When they're in the team. Oh, all right, right. Okay, okay. Um, but. And the the and for Will things just didn't quite work out away from footy or whatever. Mm. But I think the best schoolboy footballer I've seen who never really went anywhere was this guy named Jared McCullum, who won player of the year when I was in year twelve. And I think his the highlight of his footy career was scoring five tries for the Bulldogs in a Holden Cup match. This guy looked exactly like Greg Bird. Like you would have thought oh. he was Greg Bird's brother, except he was playing fullback. Mm. But, yeah, sitting around and naming old footy players is great. Sitting around and naming old schoolboy guys that didn't make it, that's for the real, <laughs> that's for the real sickos out there. So All if you're right. into it, give me a call. Yeah, on, and if you, now, I, We salute
1: you. And if you'd like to nominate a guy in the future, patreon.com forward slash Boom Rookies. All right. Um, let's move on to preview the rest of round five. Five already? It's flying by, Nicholas. Um, and first up, we have your beloved Canberra Raiders hosting – a little team called the Penrith Panthers. The one win, Penrith Panthers. Um, pass. Yep, that's fair. Um, I, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're gonna get like, stomped, man. Okay, so because you 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 you're you're usually quite optimistic about your team's chances, but both you and the other Canberra fans I've spoken to have given me absolutely no optimism this week. Like none. You all just think it's going to be like thirty-four to six.
0: Yeah. Well. The, the 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 it prop that probably started that process started on Sunday av- afternoon, Sunday night, when the reality of that Newcastle loss really sunk in. Um, mm. and the more I think about that game, the more I think that you know, the more I think Canberra's in a really difficult spot. And I probably haven't felt this down on the team since last year when they had that really awful start to the season and that really bad loss to the Warriors in Redcliffe, after which. I was scared they were going to come last. I thought that was a really distinct possibility. I remember you saying that. Possibility. Yeah. yeah, I was really terrified of that happening because with a lot of Ricky Stewart teams, once it gets bad, it can get really, really bad. And it hasn't gotten really bad at Canberra probably since his first year back in 2014. That's the last time they totally bottomed out. I think they finished second or third last. They had to beat the Sharks in a spoon bowl just to, in the last round just to finish that high. But just the, the, the looming specter of that always always scares me. You know, I know it's only round five or whatever, but that is, is, I can, there is a future where I can see something like that happening because Canberra are just making it so, so Uh, hard for themselves right now.
1: I will say, I will say, Penner's attack has been struggling. You are at home. I think, honestly, if you match the forward packs up, it's relatively even. Like they've got a starting back of Scott Sorensen, Zach Hosking. That's not exactly setting the world on fire. Um, the back line is the big issue, though,
0: isn't it? Well, dude, see, I I think the forwards, the forward pack's a big issue as well. Corey Haraway yeah. and Nairas get having five runs a game. He's just mm. not, just not doing much, you know. I thought Hudson Young's been strong these last two weeks, but they still don't seem fully committed to Elliot Whitehead as the lock forward, you know, especially not in a passing sense. I don't, I don't think they're running enough stuff off him um, at first receiver. You know, you, the Papali Tarpane front row is still the great strength of this team, but they just didn't yeah. the seem prepared to play probably for that many minutes. Well, he's going league. to play more this week. I dare say, You'd well, you'd hope so, but you, but like, I, I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know if they're going to do something funky with Starling and Wolford again, you know, whitens out for a couple of weeks, which doesn't actually frighten me as much as it might. Matt, he's mm. got a really good record at five, eight for Canberra. There you go. Eight and zero, never lost. when what? playing Five, eight. That's relief crazy. That All is right, great. Well... That's crazy. But, Canberra's bogey team is Penrith. And I know Penrith is everyone's bogey team over the last couple of years, but Penrith Especially don't ours. just beat the Raiders these last couple of years. They really punk them. They really punk them. They come out and they beat them up hard. Here's Taylor rolling the ball end on him. He's after it. He might have got it down. He thinks he did. Oh, Coltrane Carp. So I think i gotta, I got I to gotta take Penrith, and i got to Coltrane him too, man. You know, because – what, like what's Penrith's strengths, right? Penrith's strengths are their physicality, their ability to carry the ball through the middle and their ability to finish really strong, right? What's Canberra's, what's Canberra's weakness? Here's Taylor rolling the ball in, in. he's after it, he might've got it down. He thinks he did. Oh,
1: cold train, Carp. Oh, there's a second train on Whoa, the track. Wow.
0: Oh my God. Oh, did the governor lady said, front of one of I'm sending
1: trains? in more trains. It's, it's,
0: it's, it took us five weeks, but we're cold training the same team. Yeah. And like, so Canberra's big weakness. is Sorry to, der- Sorry to derail your point there. That's all right. Canberra's big weakness um, over the last sort of year has been finishing games. And that's been apparent in all the matches that they've played this year. They've either conceded a late win up, have come high, have sort of limped over the line or haven't been able to to sort of push through and and finish really strongly in the last 20 minutes. And that was part of the problem last week. They had a lot of ball against the Knights. They just couldn't really do anything with it. You know, they just didn't seem to have the the spark or the or the fire to really make it happen. Penrith finish really strong always, and each of Canberra's last couple of games against Penrith have followed a similar pattern. Canberra's sort of held their own for the first maybe thirty minutes, and then Penrith have surged away. Given that Canberra are on a five-day turnaround, Penrith are coming off a buy. They lost before that. They'll be sorry. Penrith came off the buy, then lost. Have the big turnaround. I think it's it's eight days, long time. They're nice and pissed off. Mm. It'll it'll take something really it, special. I it don't it think doesn't. Canberra's, I don't think Cameron's got something special in him at the minute.
1: No, that's fair. All right, let's move on. Uh the the camped double doubleheader on Friday night because South Sydney are hosting the Melbourne Storm. What a treat at Olympic Park! And I'm gonna go, and it's gonna be great. And I think we might win this one.
0: When you said Olympic Park, I don't know why, but my mind you went thought I was flying down yeah, 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 the <laughs> graveyard. Thought, if these crazy, God. If can you crazy pricks? There is like what what turn Melbourne. of a
1: that they're the only team that would by the way just really <laughs> but like what turn of what imagine I voluntarily going to Melbourne to watch a Souths game just ridiculous they could trot out a New Zealand's Cup team and, and they'd still win that's just how it goes but it's in Sydney which means Souths have a red hot chance um look you know I thought Melbourne were fine against the Tigers they didn't set the world on fire and again just it's got it done they just got they're it they're still they're still working their ways through some things. There's obviously still no Jerome Hughes. Jonah Pez, it's been fine. Um, still no Ryan Pappenhausen. Nick meady has been okay. But um, yeah, how do you see this one playing out? I think that um, South's still a little bit lean in the middle. They've still got a couple of guys out, but they do get Harm back, which is weirdly kind of important.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm leaning towards South's in this one just because I think they have a bit more game-breaking potential than Melbourne do, which is a funny thing to say when Melbourne have Harry Grant and Cam Munster, but I kind of think Melbourne's attack is nearly all game breaker based. Like if it's not individual guys making really great plays, then I don't mm. know if they have a whole lot to to fall back on. And, and that was kind of what was apparent to me in that game against the Tigers last week. Most of their tries came through individuals creating stuff like when Munster just sort of waltzed through. Really, really easily, or, or or when um Jonah Pezzett sort of poked his nose through and popped it to Ellie Kato, who I think threw it out to to Will Warbrick, or it might have been the nickname meaning one. I'm not 100 sure, but they need kind of game breaking incidents to 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 blow a game open, you know. And I think South's defence has been pretty good these last couple of weeks. I think after Cody Walker sort of played his way back into form last week, which I thought was really impressive because he he was able to do that just through his effort rather than by making flashy plays and, and 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 having that really nice attacking touch. He just sort of like worked and worked and worked until the game really came to him, which which hasn't always been his way. You know, so but and maybe that's a, a way for him to throw the shackles off. And then the step forward from there is seeing Latrell really bust out and have one of those really big games. Cause I think he's been pretty good. Yeah, but he, these, hasn't of of he hasn't had one of those championship performances yet. That's right. So he's a little bit due for Which one is
1: very two. weird. You don't get a lot of creamy middles with Latrell, but we've kind of had that this year. He's been yeah, like a, yeah. above but average that, that, in each game. But.
0: I think he's due for a for a really big one, and I think we're going to see a really big one from him. And I think if Souths can sort of unleash the, um, the mm. athleticism of players like Campbell Graham and Isaiah Tass, who was really good last week, in, especially in yardage, if they can really go after Melbourne on the edges of the field, with Colum getting involved as well. Then I could, I could, I, I I like South's in that one in this one for that reason. I just think they have a bit more of an attacking upside than the storm do right now.
1: Yep. Yeah, and I, I just like the, I like what their forwards have been doing every week bar against Penrith. They're, they're, they're pretty good at winning the advantage line. I, I look at that Melbourne pack at the moment. I don't really see them being able to be the team that stops Souths from getting a roll on like they've been able to do in, in, in most of the time so far in the last couple of years. Um, Yep. As I said, still a couple of guys missing, but I think Melbourne's outs are far more important than South's outs at the moment. And for that reason, I'm going to take South's.
0: Yeah. You mentioned, you mentioned Hame Sele being an important player coming in for them. And it's a funny thing to say about a bench prop, but just because he is like a competent first grader, like that, that really does just make a... That really does make just a big difference. You know, they've got Daniel Sulukififida, who's very talented athletically, but I don't think has played a lot of footy this year. I think they've want, been wanting to get minutes into him in state cup, but they just haven't been able to. They've had to put him in first grade because there hasn't been anyone else. You know what I mean? And he's mm-hmm. he's in the team as the starter. It wouldn't surprise me if selle ends up starting in that spot. And no, sort of, nor no, no yeah, would it. sort of stagger Murray and, and and Tom and Tom Burgess a little well, bit, they...
1: but... Could even do what they did last week where they start cheek him on the edge and move Keon into the middle to start the game as they, as they wow, did. Mate, See,
0: I would be, I would be tempted to do that. Just he's like, been
1: very impressive in the middle. Has oh, he No,
0: he was great in the yeah. middle last week. I thought he was really, really good. And, but like, if you moved him into the middle to start with, right. And he, cause you've already got so much strike on those edges with, with um, Walker and Mitchell and, and to a lesser extent, Tass and Graham. So you can probably you can probably bear mm. for another week just to have host and Cheekham as as your edges, and then once you've got a starting middle of Murray, Tom Burgess, and Keon, like wha goddamn, that's hammer time with with that's Jai Arrow with Jai Arrow
1: coming off the bench or starting as well. Like, yeah, oh no, no, no. That,
0: wait, once once Arrow's back, I want him in the middle too. I want Keon yeah, back no, that's the what I'm saying. Like in the yeah. but
1: like just all those guys when they're back, I think they'll be sweet. But for now, I think it should, should be okay. It'll be a close game. They they they'll never blow the storm out in the game ever, apart from in. You know, apart from two thousand three, but um, <laughs> look, it's South beaten South beaten Melbourne about six times in my entire life. I think it's six out of like thirty five, but I think it's about to be seven. That's
0: yeah, I, I, I guess the the thing to look for from the storm would be more development from Jonah from Jonah pezzett You know, he's yeah. been so impressive. These first two weeks played a really confident role in the attack. That's a hard thing for a halfback to do. Like we've talked so much about Lachlan, and he is trying to find his place among all the South Sydney stars. Pezzett has come in and. Found his place really, really quickly. So I think if there if there is a path to victory for Melbourne, it's through Grant sniping around the ruck. It's through Munster Absolutely. pulling out some of his stuff, and and it's through Pez. It's sort of con- continuing to show the nice touches and, he's shown these first couple of weeks.
1: And I don't care who else on the field. If you've got those two players, Grant and Munster, you can win the game.
0: hundred percent, hundred percent. I and I want to see I want to see um Eli Katawa keep going as well. I know I mentioned him every week, but I do think there's uh, he's been really good for them. Been so really far. good upside there. I've loved his motor. Through this first month, which is a funny thing to say about a player who you look at as like a strike back rower. But I think he's been making a lot of second efforts. His defense has been really, really good. And I think the attacking stuff will come and we're getting closer and closer to it. And it'll and to me it'll be a little bit sustainable because he is putting in all those second efforts on the ball and off the ball, you know. So the attacking stuff will come and maybe it'll come this week. Anytime try scorer, maybe.
1: Mm. All right. We head to Mudgy on Super Saturday. With, uh,
0: mudgy. Shout out to the Orient Hotel. It's a wonderful place.
1: <laughs> Manly hosting the Newcastle Knights. Um, well, I saw a couple of hours ago, Josh Schuster is not playing. Cooper Johns comes back into the team. That is potentially enough to sway me because in a team where they have really struggled, especially last week, to really make their attack click, he's a guy that can create something out of nothing as he did against Parramatta on a couple of occasions. Um and the Knights are suddenly sort of stodgy and suddenly sort of a bit resilient, which they haven't been in previous years. But they've dug deep so far in this game this year, and I think that 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 um
0: that withdrawal for Schuster could be enough to sway some people's tips this week. It could be. We're getting um we're getting Johns v Johns in this one. I'm pretty sure. I think it's Cooper Johns totally, at yep. five eight for for Manly and Jack Johns Jack at Johns lock at lock for, yeah the Newcastle. So that's always fun, like brothers turned enemies and all that sort of thing. Maddie crying on the sideline as his two boys there's Go, also Canberra a It'd be great there's, to
1: see. there's also a Steve toboyevich for the Knights but he's no relation <laughs>
0: um, um mate, yeah. yeah look I so I don't want to take anything away from the Knights great win on 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 Sunday because they really did dig deep and and played some great footy and could be very well be an important win for them going forward but Canberra had more than enough ball to to win that game I thought and I thought they were actually able to make really solid meters through the middle of the field. It was only when they got in the attacking 20 that, that things kind of fell apart on them. And if Manly are the kind of team where if you let them get on top of you in the middle of the field, then it's kind of, that's kind of the game because of how quickly they attack and how quickly they can pile on the points. And, and like we said, they're kind of the last true PVL ball team where Mm. if they do get that roll on, they are really, really difficult to stop. It's not always easy then we get that role on, as South showed last week, because Manly's forwards don't quite have that sort of dominant, um, that dominant force about them. But if you, if, if, if you give them a chance, they can come over the top of you in that fashion, you know? So I think while the Knights did so well last week, I think they need to lift again, and they especially need to lift in the middle of the field, because if they can, if they can contain Manly in the middle, right. And then they play with the same width they played last week with, you know, Miller and Hastings and Gamble's really zipping it all over the field and creating one-on-one matchups. Then, you know, that is, that is a way that I can see them winning this game. But at some point, I think the great ticker that they've shown will sort of run out a little bit. And I kind of think it runs out in this one. Schuster is a big out as you mentioned before, but I think we saw in round one that Cooper Johns is very, someone who's very much in that Sean O'Sullivan mold where he just knows how to get a team around the park. He knows how to play his role and not overplay his hand. So I could see this game maybe being something of like a Tom Trebojevic breakout match, like mm-hmm. where we see Trebojevic play some of that great footy that we've seen him play in the past. Cause Cooper Johns is just going to get it straight to him. You know what I mean? And, you might say there won't be, there obviously, won't be as much defensive attention on Cooper Johns as there would have been on Josh Schuster, but that creates the opportunity for Trebuavis to be a little bit more dominant. And after a month of of very of like pretty solid footy, maybe yeah. that's maybe that's what we're going to see. Maybe we're going to see the big bust out.
1: Perhaps he puts the foot down. Yeah, I'll take Manly, but I think it's gonna be a close game. Be a good one.
0: I, I'm tipping Manly, and I think it'll. I think they'll win pretty well. They've got quite a strong record in Mudgy. and chong traboevich weirdly is really like i don't know he's really good everywhere but he's special. king of Muji in yeah. Muji no the, the king of Muji is the last city country game was in muji so whoever won man of the man <laughs> aaron, is aaron gray didn't he score like a thousand tries that might have been in Muji i'm not sure i think i blacked right. out
1: halfway through that one <laughs> all right let's move on um dragons dolphins 5 30 uh down at wind stadium Uh, Nick I wrote about this in the week I actually am very intrigued to see what happens to the Dolphins this week because you can like you can make cases as to why they were so fired up for each of their games so far but this is sort of the first time where they're a dealing with like a fair few important players not being there and b coming off a loss so for the first time we're going to see the Dolphins have to face a little bit of adversity
0: and um, sort of try and keep that steam in their engine so how do you how do you see this playing out yeah we we both we both we both read about, wrote about this this week and i think it's a salient point because if you look at the dolphins first month in the competition right so the first game no drama's getting up for that that's the game of their lives right the second game was the first game back at Redcliffe, at the spiritual home again very easy to get up emotionally for that game next one's the first away trip you're with the boys you're winning games this is great we're on the road let's do it next one's the first brisbane game if you can't get up for that you don't have a pulse This is a this is far from home. This is against a team that is not doing well. You know, there's a chance the weather will be be a small crowd, it'll be cold. It's it's it's, it's not as grand an occasion as Mm. those first four matches were, you know. And while the Dolphins have done magnificently well through these first four games, I think they've really played well above their talent level. They've really, really found something special the teams that do that very rarely sustain it through an entire season you know and Mm. like you mentioned the 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 little things are just adding up Felice Cafusi is still a little bit away you know there's a couple of guys who are playing pretty busted they're going to have to rely a lot on Anthony Milford for a really long time now because Sean O'Sullivan is missing for 10 to 12 weeks with that torn pec and that's a huge out because so much of what they do is predicated on knowing where they got to go and knowing where they have to be and i think he's become a real leader and a real vocal presence for that side and losing him is a real hammer blow
1: we'll get um a debut for the dolphins for shell Harbor's own jack bostock so he'll probably have a little you know you sometimes like ben Lovett had it last week for sales like you'll get the, the big chunk of fans just there to see their boy on debut i think we'll probably there'll be a little bostock section somewhere so that'd be cool bostock boys the Bostock Boys.
0: No, I, I that is that is another thing I will never ever tire of. I will never ever tire of debutantes having a bunch of their mates and friends and family. Do you? The the, I think and the I Cameron
1: love- Cameron Phelps one is my favorite one ever. Do you remember that? Just screaming Phelpsy. Hey! I do.
0: Incredible. I think Victor Radley had a similar thing when he. Yeah, did, he, did. he did. Yeah, what yeah. What I loved about uh, your man at Souths, love it, is he's he's from Parks, right? He's a Parks spaceman. Is that so many of the blokes at the game were wearing the parks? Yeah, dresses, that was cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. I loved, I loved, I loved like rep, seeing the seeing the boys represent like that. That was really good stuff. But um a yeah, future so country
1: if, origin representative, he might be.
0: Fingers crossed, mate. If, mm. he, if he keeps playing his cards right, we mentioned a little bit how Osullivan's out for the Dolphins. It's so big comes in. It's really big. And they're really gonna rely on Isaiah Katoa now. I think Wayne Bennett was saying that he sees Katoa long-term as a halfback. Anyway, and I think we've all been really impressed with the way he's played these first five weeks, but asking him to step in the shoes of O'Sullivan, who's very much a player who is able to do what he does because he's played so much football, you know, maybe not all in NRL, but he's played five or six years at senior level, all of that footy against men. And that's where he's got that great understanding of how the game works and how his team should play. It's just mm-hmm. asking a lot for someone like Catal to yeah. step in and have that same I- level of understanding.
1: I think that, like, in a way, though, if if, depending on what their aspirations are for the season, it's kind of good because this is basically just throwing in the keys in a sort of situation where they're like, just do your best and we'll see what happens. Because, uh, yeah, I don't think they're going to be hoping that Anthony Milford's the one getting his hands on the ball multiple times a set, every set. And we saw it towards the end of that game last week that, you know, it was kind of a bit of a handbrake at times on that attack. And yeah, I I guess it's all just down to Katoa. And I'm really excited to see what he can do now that he's basically the guy for the next couple of months and Sean O'Sullivan's presence can't be overstated. I mean, he just did the little things right. He's a smart player, kicks the corners, all that stuff. And they're really going to miss that. And whether a, a teenager and Anthony Milford is, is a halves combination that could drag a team to the finals. Uh, it seems unlikely, but, uh, I'm excited to see how it pans out. I am going to take the dolphins here.
0: I'm swerving on this. I'm, I'm taking the dragons. Well, the dragons are actually the favorites. Isn't
1: yeah, they are. They, I
0: know the dragons were, were really, really poor. Um, probably after halftime in that match against the Sharks. But I think they'll come out for this one with a real point to prove. And I just think there's more points in the Dragons than there are in the Dolphins. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I know, again, the Dragons were really poor last week, but they've still got Ben Hunt. They've still got Jaden Sullivan who can who can create some stuff. They've still got Tyrell Sloan. And I think if they match um, the Dolphins in the middle, which the way, you know, someone like Blake Laurie has been playing, think it's very possible i think saints could get the fins i won't be mm-hmm. surprised if the fins win i'll never be surprised by a wayne bennett of team course. winning ever ever again but yeah i gotta zag on this one man i'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, totally I'm fine. sorry to the team of the show but <laughs> just how you gotta do it sometimes are
1: you are you gonna further draw the ire of bronx nation by zagging on our next game brisbane hosting the only winless team the west tigers at suncorp um The West Tigers won this corresponding fixture last year. So it would be very funny if they did it again.
0: The Brisbane fans are letting me know, you know, as, as you guys may have noticed, they're letting me know how they feel about my admittedly moronic and incorrect preseason prediction. But I can tell you, you. I can tell you that some of the, some of the highest ranked Broncos, some of the, some of the Brisbane fans who occupy the corridors of power, maybe some who who quite like an opening tirade or two. Oh, I can tell you that some of them are like looking at this game, and you know, a oh, right. little yeah, bit spooked, yeah. little mm. bit spooked. I
1: was wondering and where you were going the only, with that. The, the only <laughs> I like,
0: to... sorry, no. gonna
1: say... I thought you were going to say that they'd forgiven you, and I was like, he's definitely not forgiven. Oh no, you. they haven't. Forgiven <laughs> me. He hates me. you. Me.
0: <laughs> they'll never forgive me. Like I could be on my, I'll be on my deathbed. Mm. I'll be on my deathbed saying goodbye. Boy, to my they'll be, they'll be picketing the hospital. Twenty twenty-three. The effect of you deserve it, mate. Like, yeah,
1: I mean, they're not wrong, and that'll be this year when they lynch you at Magic Round. Cool. Well, you know, they gotta catch me first. Um, this, all right, let's let's make a case for the Tigers here.
0: Okay, I'm gonna let you do that.
1: Uh <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of Uno reverse cards. Um look, I think that with the Mitchell Pierce room is swirling, that this is finally the game that's gonna light a fire under Luke Brooks and really, really unlock he, him as an attacking. Threat. I mean, it's a fast deck up there at Suncorp. He's he's always been sneaky fast, Luke Brooks. I think this could be a game where his running game really comes through. I mean, Brisbane don't have any sort of explosive players the caliber of a Brooks or dare I say a Dewey. So perhaps this is a time for them to sort of catch the Broncos napping.
0: I um I I feel like you almost believe that. <laughs> I, I'm I'm nearly I'm nearly there with you, bro. Mm. Nah, look, this is yeah. The only, to me, the only, the only sort of hope of the Tigers winning this game is if whatever weird thing, weird who do they have over the, the Broncos at the minute, if that continues, but it just doesn't seem likely to me, you know? So just to, just to throw the numbers at you, Mm. Brisbane haven't beaten the Tigers in five years. That's really, they've only played once a year, each of those years, but Last year they beat him uh 32-18 in the game that sort of started Brisbane's downfall tip from top yeah. four hopefuls to, you know, absolute mess. The year before that, they the Tigers beat him 42-24 in perhaps the the weirdest and the strangest and the dumbest game of football I'd ever seen in my life. The year before that, doesn't this feel like a million years ago, the the Tigers whooped him 48-0 at Leichhardt Oval with a young man named Harry Grant starring oh, yeah yeah, no, yeah, no, no, yeah we did all that and yeah, then
1: they, they thought they were gonna keep him
0: yeah and then the tigers the tigers beat him again the year before courtesy of a late michael cheekam try i think that run is gonna be over and i <laughs> think brisbane i think he's brisbane um, put the cleanest through him in this one is dane laurie gonna he's tra- he's, he's on the
1: extended bench is he any chance of playing do you think? he's
0: been named in reserve grade so i would imagine oh, well, not
1: Oh, there you go. All right. That's a weird one. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I'm, I'm taking the broadcast. Yeah,
0: I do. And like, I know, I think I said this about the Dragons game a couple of weeks ago, but I want to see Brisbane win this and win it well. I want to see them yeah. like really turn it up, really flex their muscles. Uh,
1: again, this has been a weird year where we can't take any result for granted, but I think this is about as close as it gets yeah, right now. Yeah, I, but I, I would
0: like to see Brisbane's forwards really smash it up in the first 20. And then we start the track, meet. We get it out to mm. Welsh. We get it out to Man. We get it out to Cobo. And Let's see They're how many the... this engine can can really, really handle.
1: Absolutely. All right. Um, the la- thank God this is the last week. We've got a four and six pm kickoffs on the Sunday. We're back. We're back to the normal two fours after this. So, uh, four pm Sunday, the first of the game of the doubleheader,
0: the Sharks hosting the Warriors in a game where I'm I'm pretty keen for. Me too. Me too. If you've been listening for the last couple of weeks, you know that I have have been a real fan of the Warriors and and what they're doing and all that. And I I think this is a game, this is an important game for them. You know, I know the sharks have, have only sort of really hit their straps in the last week or so with Nico Hines and all that coming back, but this is a a game on the road where I really want to see the warriors continue a lot of the improvement that they, that they have made Tamari Martins out for the warriors, which is a blow. I I think his combination with Sean Johnson through this first month has been really, really promising, but I think, the great the, the thing I've really enjoyed about the Warriors is probably the defensive resolve that they've played with. Mm. I think they're third in the league for for points for points per game, which is very, very warrior like not just for the last couple of years, but even when they've good, they've never really been a hard-nosed defensive team. But, you know, the 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 Bulldogs game last week was a really good example of a game where they were probably not at their best with their attack, but they were able to dig in and and really tough it out by just playing to their strengths and playing towards their athleticism and trusting their playmakers to come up with the right decisions and the key plays in the key moments, you know, and I think we talked about the Warriors in the preseason and we mentioned we didn't really like the look of their back five, but I think all, all four of their back, all, all all the members of their back five have been really, really strong. Career best form for Marcelo Montoya. Oh, well, Montoya's played great. I think Ed Cossi's had a, had a really Mm. good start to the season. Well, made some great defensive plays against the Bulldogs last week. You know, I've got to do my, Weekly mention of Tony totally Harris has. and how, he, how good he is. I'll never stop. They're getting Wade Egan back. I'm I'm talking myself into it, man. I I can see the Warriors pulling the out the upset on your boys here.
1: Yeah. Um, no, I, I think it'll be a lot closer than people think. Um, I just think that the Cronulla with Nico Hines back are just a different animal. They're still trying to work out what exactly is the perfect system there. I mean, they looked fine with Moylan there last week. They got tricky in the 17 this week. Um We'll see. Maybe they'll may, maybe they'll do some do some hijinks. I don't think so though. They're not going to ch- they're not going to change what's working, and that's a halves combination that worked for them so well last year and so well for them last week. Um, yeah, I, I've been really impressed with the Warriors so far. But a pack shark park, Nico's back. Give me the sharks. Will by like that? eight to ten? No, because it's cousin Jack's birthday. They're oh, cousin
0: Jack of mm. all our, of all our beloved cousins, he's somewhere in the middle.
1: He, he, he's pretty good. He, he comes to the him. South games. God good love. on him.
0: Good on him. Um. um well, you mentioned Heinz coming back. He just gave them so much more sophistication in mm. their attack last it's just week. Weird. It
1: just makes everything better.
0: Well, it just sort of opened up both sides of the field for him and all that. And I, and I think I said on the show on Monday, people were saying it was a masterclass to me. It wasn't to me. It was just him. Yeah, no, I thought it was a job, bit overblown, which means that the masterclasses can still be to come, you know, which, is the, true. Really, yeah. which is the really scary part. But, the reason that I kind of like the Warriors in this one is it's it's a bit it's a bit of styles make fights, right? So the Sharks are a free flowing, high flying, wheeling, dealing, kiss stealing the Ric Flair shit. You know what I mean? There's some yes. it, they're having a hard time keeping these alligators down, right? The way to beat a team like that that's really capable out wide and doesn't mind throwing it around, but maybe a little bit maybe a little bit vulnerable in the middle of the field, the way to do that is to dig in defensively and keep the game tight and attack them with your own forward pack. And those are things that the Warriors have been able to do really, really well over this opening month. So I just feel like the Warriors are a good stylistic matchup to, to beat a team like the Sharks, you know? And I think if, if Hamlin, you were, if um, Hamlin, you if Fanua Blake and Bunty Alfor and Jazz Tavanga and Dylan Walker, and a lot of the guys who have given the Warriors that sort of real uh, punch and size and muscle and strength and speed and skill through the middle of the field, if they all turn up the way they've been turning up, you know, I, I think there's, there could be a little, a little bit of joy for him, you know? So I'm taking the Warriors. I'm zagging on this one too. Nikki Zags, they call me.
1: Nikki Zags. Good on you. Um, all right. And I'll take the Sharks, of course. Um, <laughs> la- last game of the rounds again, uh, I, I wish I could go to this one, but obviously predisposed. Uh, uh are you going dogs, cowboys? I am. Which... I am going, I'm going, but I'm going uh, professionally this time. Not personally. Oh, this time it's personal. Um, Intriguing game here. I think yes. that um Josh Reynolds is back in Bulldogs colors for the first time since 2017, Love which it. is pretty cool. Love it, man. Um yeah, I mean a few players mean so much to the sort of post 4 Bulldogs as he does, so that's that's just a nice story, isn't it? Um but yeah, they get the Cowboys who were okay last week against Titans. I think they like the Storm as we said on Monday, we just sort of turned up and did enough. So what what can can the Bulldogs sort of keep keep the good vibes going and, and spring a result here?
0: Well, I I think this is a it's again I'm not using the words must win, but I think these are two teams that are at a bit of a crossroads, and I think what they do between now and State of Origin will really determine what their what their seasons are going to look like. You know, like Canterbury are still a team in development. You know, very much so. Um, and you can tell that in things like, for example, when they were, when they played the Warriors last week, they scored up to two minutes, right? The big Wahash went over after about 120 seconds. And then the only other try they were able to score all day was like a, 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 just a one on one miss and a breakout, um, length of the field run from Josh Adokar. They weren't creating a whole lot of points. And if you look at that win against the Tigers the week before, they didn't create a whole lot of chances in that one either. Adokar scored two tries both of which came from turnovers deep in their own, in their own end of the field. So I think the challenge for the Bulldogs is, is to develop attacking situations that are a little bit more replicable. And I think the way to do that is with their spine linking together with Marnie thinking with Flanagan and Burton and Perham, which has been a bit of a struggle for them sometimes this year. I think Flanagan very much got the balance. He got, he was closer to getting the balance right against the Tigers and then Last week, him and Burton sort of like weren't quite able to get it going. But to me, that's really, that's really the key because the Bulldogs are very much at their best are very much sort of a freewheeling attacking team. I think while Thompson and Pangai are out, they don't really have the muscle in the middle of the field to, you know, really, really put the pressure on the teams in that sense. Whereas North Queensland are probably the other way. They struggle to score points, but their forward pack is, is 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 really, really strong. You know, even with someone like Reuben Cotter out, you know, they they were able to bring in a guy named Griffin Neem who's going to be playing test footy for New Zealand sooner rather than later. Heelam mm. Lukey he made his comeback from injury last week. I think it was mainly as a middle. He's starting on the edge this week. And I thought there were some really good signs for him. So he can give them a little bit more strike as well as a little bit more muscle. So I don't know. I feel like I'm talking myself around on this one. I found this the most difficult game of the weekend. Yeah, I, I agree. This, this is the one that I, I really had a bit of pause with. I guess it comes down to, can the Cowboys create the chances? Can they create, can anyone other than Chad Townsend, leading the league in tri-assist, CT7, shout out, can they find other ways to create points outside of him? Can Tom Dearden dominate the match? Not with his running game, but with his creativity. If, if they If they can get something like that going then they might be a bit too well-rounded for Canterbury, but I'm not sure they're going to be able to do that.
1: Yeah, no. Um, it's weird. Isn't it weird though that um, Jeremiah Nana is out and it's not as big of an out as it would have been last year, such has been his impact so far this year. And they'll just get Helam Lukey to slot right in there. And I don't think they lose too much with the way things are going right now.
0: I, see, I disagree. I think Nana's actually been pretty strong for them this year. Uh, and it's particularly as, as, as an attacking threat. I think... They probably haven't got enough as much strike out of their backs as they would have wanted, but um, he's sort of been a a, a a threat for them on that as more with his running game than anything else, with sort of hitting holes and and stuff like that, more than the uh, the then off kicks or whatever, or as as he was so well known for last year. But I don't know. I think the like Lukey is a bit more of a bruiser, a bit more raw mm. bone, probably a bit more powerful. They'll definitely play, miss him off like game. those
1: little kicks they do, but yeah.
0: But yeah. I think I think Lukey being like a more powerful thrusting player probably plays into the style that they need to beat Canterbury a little bit more, if you get my meaning. Like yeah. now is the better player, but I think Lukey's style suits this game maybe a little bit better. But I mean,
1: like he has with like his running meters are basically half what they were last year, nice is. So like he has definitely been not yeah, he's as not a, effective. He's not a, he's a, he's not he a workhorse background. No, he's of, of course not. But it still matters. He, he's like some weeks he's not really touching the ball much at all. Like he's touching the ball five to 10 times a game every week so far this year. So, you know, I, I just don't think he's been as prolific as he was last year. No, he's no, of course point. not. Um, 17 tries, a lot of tries. Right. Um, it is a lot that's... of tries.
0: <laughs> Simi Renrandra trying
1: the chip and chase. Oh, no, it's
0: Simi Retradra. Retradra's <laughs> away. Simi Retradra. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will. Yes. semi me run, run, run. Oh, He's absolutely buried it. Run, run,
1: run. All right. Some news quickly before we get out of here. We're, um, geez, it's been a long one today. We just really just love rugby league. Don't we? Um, we sure Mitchell do. Pierce apparently has quickly passed on answering an SOS from the West Tigers. I love oh. this story so much.
0: Oh, we'll speak to him on
1: it. Um, so I mean, this was popped up. what was it? Wednesday that uh, there was news that uh, they were they were sending an SOS out to the to the south of France to bring Mitchell home Suck from it, whatever he's it? doing in in Perpignan. But um, yeah, uh, Tim Sheens confirmed that Marshall Benji Marshall had reached out to Mitchell Pearce, uh, but that there was no interest, and that the Catalans coach Steve McNamara told the Seymour Herald the next day that uh, Pearce was enjoying his life and his football. Yeah, why
0: wouldn't you? Why would you leave the south yeah, of France? Oh, fuck where that. Team, where fuck winning? that. <laughs> your team's top of the table. Why would you come back and, and join this? Uh...
1: Yeah, Mitchell, you're getting paid like a shitload to like sit on a beach in France, win every week, not train very hard, and just have a good time. How do you feel about coming back and playing for the winless West Tigers? where ev- like, And in a media market where like everything you do is incredibly scrutinized. Like yeah. he probably just walks around the streets of France. No one knows who he is. Be, well, th- great.
0: the thing is, like the the the, the scrutiny is going to be big on any player that the Tigers bring in, right? And the scrutiny was going to be of big on Mitchell Pierce if he came back wherever he went. If he went back to the Tigers, back to his father's team, his father's club. Oh my God! Can you imagine? They'd have like a they'd have like Mitchell Pierce correspondents whose only job was to go to training and watch him every day. Uh- you know what uh, I mean? Like, remember, remember how they had um that when Del Piero came out to play in the a Yeah. 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 Del yeah, Piero yeah. came and Emil yeah, Heskey yeah. had Heskey cam. We'd mm. have Pierce cam, bro. It'd be crazy. Like, a
1: could there be, there could not be a more maligned halves pairing than Brooks Pierce.
0: Well, that's the, that's the, that's the other thing. So I think it's pretty clear that Brooksy and the Tigers really need to change. And that's been true. That's been pretty apparent for a while. I think for, for, both their sakes a change would be good but i think the only guy who would sort of fill the tigers fans with like more despair would be pierce and it's not because pierce is a a bad player or anything like that it's just like really like the answer is the 34 year old mitchell pierce who has ten thousand miles on the on, on the motor and yeah exactly like exactly it, it, yeah so i think it's best for everyone's sakes that this one didn't go through
1: Yeah. Um, The Jersey worn by South Sydney skipper, Cam Murray, will be draped over John Sattler's coffin at uh, the rabbit's funeral, which by the time people listening to this is happening on Friday on the Gold Coast. Very nice gesture from the club.
0: Very nice gesture. And if you want to get one of those, they're selling them. So happy South Sydney jerseys. They're going to be doing a special
1: order. You you texted me and within 45 seconds I had purchased one. I don't buy a new South Jersey very often, but I mean, that's what you call synergy. Absolutely. Um, and shout out to Pop Camden who texted me uh, a day and a half later. <laughs> Get on your puff. Um, I do oh, want to bring this one up. Swinging brother. <laughs> <laughs> um uh Jack Whiten has apparently, is apparently agitating from a move away from your beloved the camera raiders. And on top of that, Latrell Mitchell would like to see him at South. <laughs> Where's he
0: gonna play at South?
1: Center on a million dollars a year. <laughs> Fantastic. But yeah. no, let's obviously ignore the South part. Uh, uh, what do you, how do you make, uh, cause has, have we
0: had this story before? I thought like this is
1: kind of a semi-regular thing.
0: Ah, uh, no. So he signed. But not he, like,
1: not to this extent though. Like not with the like, a, actual. He signed
0: a, a contract after after 2019. I think it was in 2019, but before he won the Dallium in 2020. And it was strange because I think it had club options the last two of the last three years and then a player option for the last year, which he has now chosen to exercise i don't think he's leaving i'd be very very surprised if anyone was to sign him i think it's very much a case of they they've seen the money that some of the other playmakers have been able to command and they think well let's get a piece of that right now um i don't I I go sorry go I, ahead
1: i want to ask this question as respectfully as i can do you think he's aware of sort of how much easier his life is in terms of media scrutiny in his current situation, as opposed to if he was exactly the same player, but playing for the West Tigers or the Eels.
0: That's a, that's a very salient point that you raise. Um, I think that Jack Whiten is probably more highly rated by non Canberra fans than by Canberra fans. And like, obviously I, I really rate him. Like you have to, like the things he's done for that club, he's one of the great, he's one of the great raiders of the of the modern age of the post golden era raiders he
1: scored 100% of your grand final tries yeah, in our he's lifetime.
0: probably he's probably he's easily in the top 5 without a doubt you know he's a legend of this club but i think if he played in sydney and if he played in sydney his whole career and he got the scrutiny that came with that because it is it is just different it is just different when you play from canberra compared to a sydney club because there is just so much more spotlight here I don't think he would have the same reputation that he does because he is a great player, no doubt in the world, but he has lapses. He has gaffes and he's had some really, really bad ones in the past, you know, and he has a really healthy attitude towards those sort of mistakes in his game. The way he always says it is, well, all you can do is get back on the horse and that's a great Mm. way to approach it. And that's why he's still able to be the great player that he is. But when you're in Sydney and there is so much more, Scrutiny, like that's not always a that's not always a way. It's not always a feasible way to go. Like you remember, in 2016, when he threw that Golden Point intercept against the Dragons.
1: What are you doing, Mark Gasnier's iconic yeah, commentary? Yeah,
0: yeah. like he, part of the reason he was able to bounce back away from that is because it was Canberra and he was out of the spotlight. For two weeks after that, you know that's and, true.
1: I'm sure glad my favourite has never thrown a really bad intercept in a big yeah, game.
0: Yeah, so for, for that reason, none of the Sydney clubs getting white and really worries me. He, he does seem to me as well as someone that wouldn't be that well suited personality-wise mm. to the big city. He's very much a country boy. The only team that would that I think has a chance of getting him out from Canberra is the Dolphins. Because be one they got the, one they got the money. Two they are very much like a team on the rise at the minute three. I think Queensland would suit him a whole lot better than anywhere in New South, anywhere in like metropolitan New South Wales would. And four, they got Wayne Bennett. So and like, like I'm, I'm, I'm still hepped up off Dawn of the dolphins. Wayne Bennett could ask me to run through <laughs> right now and I'd probably go do it. You know So what I mean?
1: that was, that Presumably, that would mean dropping Katawa back to Q Cup to hone his craft for a year or two, and Whiten comes into the harps. No, I think it, I think I think it or would. What do you be, think? It's the other way around. Really? I
0: think it, no, I think it'd be Katawa whiten because that's yeah that's, right that's, that's that's do you the think there's enough going. sort of like kicking game and organizational
1: skills well there? we're
0: sort of like we're projecting far in the future here that's I, true that's i, I true. don't think none of I this think will, that's gonna happen.
1: probably doesn't matter because canberra will probably keep him
0: yeah i don't think there is another club that will want mm. him as bad as canberra want to keep him because as much as whiten has frustrated me over the years and come on this show and talked about it a lot canberra aren't going to be able to do better no way you know mm. so I... while it is big news and i and and, you know, I understand that they want to test his market value and get the big money for what he's probably going to be his last big contract. He's a bit older than you think. He's 30. He's been first mm. rate for 11 years. I think the fact that uh, all the Canberra, all the key Canberra people involved, like Don Ferner and like Ricky Stewart and all that, they've all said how fine they are with him going out and testing stuff. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of bitterness there. I think he ends up staying. It sucks that it's coming out now. It sucks that it comes out. After he had such a poor game against the Knights and he's suspended right now, but mm. I don't think he's going anywhere.
1: Yeah. But, uh, you have made your first ever NRLW signing. That is the Raiders with Samama Taufa uh, joining the green machine for their inaugural campaign.
0: Yes. They haven't signed anyone else, but this is a good start. I'm really well, surprised. I'm really surprised they were able to get her out of Parramatta because Yeah. She spoke really passionately uh, many times about playing for the Eels over the last couple of years. If, like mm. I don't know, you might mo- most people wouldn't probably wouldn't have seen it, but in the press conference after the grand final last year, she was nearly tearing up, talking about what Parramatta meant to us. So I don't know how they managed to pull this one off, but that's a great signing. She's one of the best, oh, I'd say the only forward that's better in the women's game is Millie Boyle. So you get Samaya Talfrey in as your inaugural captain. It's great shit. I love it.
1: Yeah, uh, do, there's. I mean, we can't run through every single signing, but there looks to be a bit of movement. Jess Sergis apparently heading to the Tigers. Um, a few other people moving. Kezia Abson might be going with her. Uh, the big rumor, of course, is Millie Boyle going to the Roosters.
0: Um, yeah, it's a bit of silly season before the women's comp starts in. Was it July? Uh, I'm not sure. Actually, with, with the hmm. with the with the expansion, I'm not 100 sure. Racine McGregor is another one. Golden yeah. Boot winner and Dalie M medalist. She's going to. You the Dragons wrote about her. Dragons after five years away. I'm, I am I want to know what you think though. So there's a shitload of player movement. And there's some of the biggest names in the game changing clubs, including someone like Kezi Apps, who's been at Saints since the start and played such a big role. And how do you feel about there being so much sort of dramatic player movement?
1: Uh, I don't like it. And I yeah. think that once the, like, because it's going to 10 teams, right. And then I would imagine that they'll sort of pump the brakes on expansion for at least a couple of years. I would like to see it settle down a little bit because the last thing you want, and it's a problem that like, it's a problem that other sports besides men's rugby league and the AFL have had um where stars, not, not just stars, but just like even sort of like the, the next tier down, but just the, the players that you, you develop an affinity for at a team, whether it's the A league, whether it's the big bash, whatever, are just moving teams all the time. And it makes it difficult to build a rapport with those players. And so, um, like it, it's one thing for a Apps to beat the Dragons for five or six seasons and and make a change but it's another for their there's there's girls now who are on their like third or fourth NRLW team already and it's sort of like it doesn't cheapen it because they've just got to go where they get the most money but I would like to see sort of more contingencies put in place to sort of make sure that we get the same players at the same teams for a little bit longer maybe when we do finally get some multi-year contracts sorted out because um I think that that's the next big step for this game is sort of locking in a lot of these players to be sort of not again, and again, not even just the top tiers, but just even that, that middle tier of players Well, just locking in a lot of those people just to be a part of these clubs going forward and give fans players that they can warm to for an extended period of time, rather than just treating them like one year rentals.
0: Like with fans warming to the club, that's Mm. something that's going to become a lot more important now that the seasons are longer. And now that they are going to overlap even more, with the men's game, you know, like I'm a big supporter of the women's game. I cover it a lot for work. It's something I'm really passionate about, but I wasn't able to watch as many of the games in last year's second season, just because the men's games were on at the same time and there's only so many hours in the day. So I think it is really important to be able to build those links that you're talking about between Mm. supporter and club. And the only way to do that is to have a bit of continuity, you know, maybe now that the season is 10 rounds and there is a bit more certainty over this, over the sports future there is the chance to go to those multi-year deals because there is more of a thing to commit to yeah. over multiple years. But, you know, I, I would hope, I would hope that part of the reason that we're having so many transfers is because we are having the big expansion and because of the long running and well-publicized uh, dramas and getting the women's CBA over the line. But I would hope now that that all has happened, that we do get a bit of stability for a couple of seasons and people are able to settle in just a little bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, yeah, obviously, exciting times ahead for the women's game. We'll see what happens. Uh, I'm not sure what's going to, but um, yeah, should be good. Uh, I'm excited to see what all these teams look like once they actually get pens to paper properly and we get to see some squads. Right now, you've got a one-woman team, but what a woman! So what a woman, man! She can do the job. Thirteen to my You'd be doing all right.
0: you'll well, be doing great. Are you kidding?
1: You'd walk it in. Dream. All right, before we get out of here, a quick shout out to the people in the top two tiers on our Patreon subscription service. If you'd like to support us, go to patreon.com forward slash Rookies. You get access to our Discord server. You get a third podcast every single week. An extra podcast. That's right. One whole extra podcast. Um, and plenty of other things as well. Oh, uh, you can nominate your bloke for what about this bloke. Uh, and a thank you to Chris Adnell, Cry Ricky Cry, Dave, Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Butsy, Chewbacca up Dan Carnine, David, Doc Hogg, an anonymous backer, Ed Burton, Frankie, Horsborough Scoresborough, Jace Felix Farmworth, Jason, Jez Plus, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, Kicks Outs Out of the Comp, Lachlan Hancock, Lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Charles Smidmore, Luke Ferguson, Maddie Jenkins, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins, My Ding Dong is Hard and I'm Sad, Never Trendy, Pat McManus, Ray Stoned Gossard, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Seymour Butts, Shunter, Simo, Ty, TB, The Black Vegetable, The Not So Mature Age Student, Thor, Tom Hardy, Was and West Lives Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. To everyone in the loyalty and
0: everyone who's listens, thank you as well. Um... trusted associates, each of them with excellent smiles that were achieved without the use of dental work. All it's all just natural, it's those pearly whites of theirs. They're doing great. Quick shout out to two more guys, Joey Gooch and Billy Ace. I ran into them in Brisbane when I was up there last week. And they're good people. They listen to the show, they're supporting it. Fellas, I love yous. Please keep please keep listening. It's it's what my fragile ego needs. Oh, i miss reading at
1: Joey Gooch. Come uh, home, no. Joey. He's doing I'm good right.
0: though, man. It's good to see him.
1: I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad the Gooch man is is doing all right. The Gooch man uh, cometh. All right. Okay. Uh we are gonna get out of here. Uh, enjoy the weekend of rugby league. Ah, uh, hopefully we'll do the same. You probably won't because uh, your team's gonna get smashed. But uh... oh
0: yeah, it's gonna suck.
1: Ah well, what can you do, eh? All right, say goodbye, Cambo.
0: Bye guys. See you, Bertrand.
1: <laughs> it's goodbye from me.